All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for, uh, for being here, being in your presence, and, and uh, being part of, of a community of your people, the house of God. And we thank you, Lord, that for the privilege of just being with you. We also thank you, Lord, and we be appreciate and acknowledge not just your presence, but your authority in our lives and the authority of your word. And we ask you, Father, that at this moment, as we read your word and talk about your word, we ask that you will pour out your spirit and touch every part of us, Lord, our hearts, our minds, our souls, our emotion, everything that we are by the truth that is contained in your word because it is the only thing that can transform us and make us to, be, to become more and more like Jesus. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Uh, before I uh, read a scripture, I uh, just want to... Last week I wasn't here because the night before, before the Sunday... Both Diana, as many of you know, we had a wedding of, of uh, our son Joshua and Abby Daika. Now, Abby Manusama, it sounds really nice. Now, Abby Manusama. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we, uh, we took time off last Sunday. But I just want to take this opportunity to thank many people. I can't name because there are so many of them, but for their help. Uh, I really feel, you know, it really, really feels like a family. You know, that's when church is. And I felt both, both Diana and Joshua and Abby felt really loved by, by you guys, felt really honored. And uh, as a matter of fact, there are many who weren't, were, were not going to, to be at, at the wedding. They came and gave us, you know, and helped us. And uh, it's just... Now, it really, and I, I was really touched, both Diane and I. So, thank you, guys. God is good. I love God's people. Amen? That's what being a church is all about. So, all right, let's uh, read. This morning, I would like to wrap up the whole series on, uh, if I can, <laughs> or on uh, First Peter. And... Uh, so we're going to be, be, uh, begin with uh, reading from the same scripture, which is the, you know, I, I believe, First Peter chapter 2, beginning from verse 4 to 10, is, is the focus theme of the whole of, of the epistle. And uh, that is like everything prior to that is, is Peter building up towards, towards this. And everything after that is... Almost like the conclusion. Let me let's just read before I go too too much ahead of myself here. All right, beginning from First uh, Peter chapter two, beginning from verse four. As you come to Him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to Him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So you can see the language here. Spiritual people getting together, coming to Jesus, make up the spiritual house. And what they do, they offer spiritual sacrifices. 
And uh, for in scripture it says, As see I lay in Zion a stone, a chosen and precious, precious cornerstone, the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe the stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Verse 8, and a stone that causes people to stumble, a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined, what, what, what they were destined for. But you, and then he was talking about people who disobey the gospel, who disbelieve the gospel, not to you, to the readers. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Obviously, you know, be, you know he, he quotes from, uh, from uh, Exodus, I believe, chapter 19, verse 6, it, just that sentence. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the reason of us being, cho- being chosen is so that we may declare the praises of him. So as God's people, we are not just to sing the praises of God, but to declare the praises of God according to this. The praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous or wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So, We've covered the whole idea, the whole theme, the whole series of the whole series. As a matter of fact, the theme of the book of Peter, or the epistle of Peter, is spiritual people. And we've covered many aspects, beginning with chapter 1, what spiritual people or spirituality, like, like uh, we, we talked about, we discussed about this, spirituality has nothing to do with us. It's not what we try to do, what we try to be. It has everything to do with God, beginning with the, uh, the divine election. God chose people according to the, his foreknowledge. And also, that's number one. We've covered that. Number two, our spirituality is not because of what we do, but because of our, our, the nature of us being born again, second birth. And then the next thing is, is the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. And we, we've, we concluded that our spirituality is the result of the work of Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit working together to form us as spiritual people. It's very powerful. So, from chapter 1 all the way, Peter pretty much presents, this is, the doing of God has nothing to do with us. It's the doing of God. Our part in that, he said, now that we've been born again, now, now that God has chosen us, is how we need to gird up the loins of our mind. And uh, so he was talking about the importance of setting our minds according to who we are. And then, of course, he talked about part of that is the result of that is the ho- holy living. And he was very specific about holy living, he said, it's reflected in how we love one another without hypocrisy, without all those things. So, and now we come 
to the point, he said, the reason God's doing all that is because he was building a temple, a spiritual temple. Spiritual people coming to, to God, to Jesus, coming together, makes up that spiritual temple. And then once that spiritual, spiritual temple is formed, now we move, and then he, and then he pointed out to, to, the, to, to uh, the readers, he said, this spiritual temple is the new Israel. That's why we read in, uh, in verse 9, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. He quoted word for word pretty much from, from uh, uh, Exodus chapter 19 verse 6 concerning Israel when God called Israel out of, out of Egypt in Mount Sinai and he said, he said to Israel, you are a royal priesthood, kingdom of priests. So uh, what, Paul, uh, what Peter implies here is that what God did to Israel, the fulfillment is right now you. You are the new Israel. Once you were not, in verse, verse 10, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And then we come to verse 11. This is where, from verse 11 all the way to the end of the epistle, it's like, now you are a people of God. How do you live a life in the world, in everyday life? Pretty much the practical application of being, being spiritual people. Verse 11, let's read Second Peter 2, verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you, now that you are spiritual people, chosen people, peculiar people, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desire which wage war against your soul. Now, verse 12. I want you to pay close attention here. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. That's the beginning, pretty much. Now you are spiritual people, and then Peter now appeal to the readers as spiritual people, live a good life. Come on. So how does that good life, what does that really mean? Live good lives among the pagans. What does that look like? He was asking the people, the readers, to live a certain lifestyle that can be said good life. And I want to, I before we, we, we uh, keep on reading, I want to, uh, give you, present two points here. What kind of life is a good life? It's a lifestyle that is marked by two things. A particular spirit that we operate in. And that is the spirit of humility and submission. And as you read in the passage, in the rest of the, the epistle of Peter, the word humility is repeated three times, and submission is repeated five times. We will see it in, in a minute. So, a, a particular spirit that we operate in, number two, a particular orientation or, you know, our life, what our life is centered around. 
And you will see as we keep on reading the first epistle of Peter, the orientation of the fear and reverence for God. A fear of God and reverence for God. It's almost like everything centered around that. Now he begins this kind of lifestyle. First, how to live in the political context. Okay? What do you do with your government? First Peter chapter 2, verse 13. He begins with the word. Submit yourself for the Lord's sake. Can you see that? The spirit and the orientation. The foundation of why we are operating in that kind of spirit. Okay? Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human authority or institution. Whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to, to punish those who do wrong and to command those who do right, to commend them, who, who do, those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the, the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Now listen to this. You can underline it. Live as God's slaves. That's interesting. Or servants. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Wow. Can you see that? He begins with the word submission. But submit, just not, not just for the submit sake, but submit for the sake of the Lord. That's how we are to conduct ourselves. Now, we live in a, in a democratic society where we can express our opinion, but we will read further how we can express our opinion in what kind of spirit we do that. The next thing is how, to, how we conduct ourselves to our bosses in the workplace. Verse 18, slaves, there it is, in reverent fear of God, submit. Okay? Those two points are there. The spirit and the orientation of God. In reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. I think we need to underline that. Not only to those who are considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable in, if someone bears under the pain of unjust suffering because, listen to this, they are conscious of God. Well, how is it to your credit if you receive beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good, and you endure it, this is commendable before God. 
And then, he, and then he, in, in verse 21, to this, to what? To this kind of conduct, you were called. Why? Because Christ suffered for you, leaving an example that you should follow his step. And then he gave the example how Christ did it as we heard in the communion this morning. You pretty much took word for word out of my sermon. See? In verse 22, he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insult at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Here's here's my, my point that I'm trying to bring here. The enabling power behind this conduct of humility or this operation of the spirit of humility is what? It's trusting God. People always talk about spirit of humility, but it is impossible to operate in the spirit of humility without trusting God. Because trusting God, faith in God, knowing that, you know, surrendering to Him who, who judges justly gives you that rest, whether you're treated well by your boss or you're not. Having that orientation and trust in Him. Because outside that trust in God, it's all man-made, man, man, man's effort or being humble. It is impossible. The world fights for its right. Everybody is encouraged. It's about my rights. The Bible doesn't talk about our rights. The Bible talks about entrusting ourselves to him who judges justly. I remember I used to work in a tire factory where, you know, I was, I was called a tire builder. They call the first stage tire builder when you build the basic thing for tires. And I had to make 550 tires a day. <laughs> and uh, I remember, so, so they, they will bring what we call a truck. So we load all the tires. And I have to write down how many tires I've made that day. And I know people, I know some of my colleagues, they would make 400, they would write 500. They would make, you know, 450, they would write 500. And, uh, and if you make 550, you get bonus and all those things. So people will write all kinds of things. And you work in partner, like, you know, your partner will cut and you, you do the building. So, so anyway... I will write exactly word, you know, like whatever I've given, and my partner would, would try to cheat, you know, like he would just try to cross. I said, why did you do that? He said, no, it's okay. So one tire, two tires. And I said, no, I can't do that. 
I said, because that's lying. He said, well, it's, it's not really lying. It's just okay. I said, no, no, no. And then people watched the way, the way I, I work. They said, I don't understand why you, you just, you're just so pedantic. I said, no. I'm so pedantic because these guys just pay my, my, my wage. But my real boss is, is God. He watches everything that I do. Even one single tire out of 500, it's nothing but it's everything to him. I said, he is my ultimate boss. He watches me. Now, that's, that's not, it's just because I trust God. Now, if I, for some reason, I, I, I couldn't make, I only made 400, my, my trust is this. God, God is the source of my blessing, not my employee. I resolved in that. That was my result. I said, and people, people, people knew that. I said, you know, they just pay my wage, but my blessing comes from God. And right here. You know, sometimes, whether it's, it's leadership or, you know, God will sometimes allow situation to go not the way we would like it to be, to see whether we operate in the spirit of humility or not. And the spirit of humility said, would say, I entrusted myself to him who judges justly. Whether it's, it is in relationship or it is in church situation or it is in any organization, God sometimes will allow, you know, because things happen. Here's the thing. I believe spiritual people are called to be Responsive people, not reactive people. They're two different things. Responsive people, not reactive people. And many times we just react and we, we, you know, it's like it was an instant thing. Now God said, I want you to respond correctly in this. Respond in faith. In the church situation, you know what? Die and I, we're not perfect. I mean, everybody knows that. My kids know that. <laughs> I'm not perfect. Diane knows that. And I, I would do things. I would, I would do certain things, not out of malice, just the way things happen. You know, just, you know, my leadership style, maybe just different, or I do. My, I make mistakes. God would allow all those things to happen to see how you respond in the situation. A good example is David and Saul. Whatever the situation. Now David wasn't perfect. When you read the story of David, he, he wasn't a perfect man, but his response was pretty much perfect every time. When he had an opportunity to to slay. King Saul in, in the cave. His man said, now it's God's timing in us. Often people use God's name. His assistant said, David, he's asleep. God has delivered, delivered him into your hand. He said, I will not lay my hands on God's anointing. Wow. What a response. Why? I think he had that spirit. He entrusted himself to him who judge, judges rightly or justly. No wonder he's a man after God's own heart. 
And sometimes church life is very, very tricky, you know. Because we all, we all volunteer, we all in a family, a close relationship. And God will, God will test our spirit of, of humility in every way he can. He will allow things to... Sometimes spirit of, humility, spirit of humility is tested by either lack of praise or too much praise. <laughs> yeah? Or lack of recognition or too much recognition. Either way. We can be tested. And of course, the next thing is he, Peter, talks about how the spiritual person or spiritual people are to conduct themselves in the context of marriage. Chapter 3, verse 1. Wives, in the same way, okay, in, in what way? The conduct, the spirit. Submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be one without words. I like that. If they do not believe the word or the, or the gospel, they may be won over without words, but by the behavior of their wives. Isn't that powerful? They don't believe words, but they're one without words. <laughs> when they see the purity and reverence of your life, once again, they see the orientation, your orientation. It's all about God. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment such as elaborate hairstyle and wearing of, you know, all that kind of stuff. Rather, it should be your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is great worth in God's sight. For this is the way holy women in the past who put their, who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves they submitted, you know, that word against themselves to their husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him Lord. That's kind of interesting. I'd rather be called honey by my wife than be called Lord. You know? <laughs> I remember I was in, in, a, in, a, in a, this is in the, the church when we, that day and I just got saved. They really pushed this, this thing about wives and husbands, like, without looking at the context of the, 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 the cultural context in that. And so one preacher said, yeah, my wife called me Lord. I thought, that's not romantic at all. It's like, like pretty much demanding the respect from his wife. This, this word Lord is actually just a respect thing in everyday language in, in, at that time. It's not like, it's like Reverend Lord. It's just just a, a respect from one man to another. A good example is Genesis chapter chapter 23, verse 11 and 15. And Abraham bought a piece of land for his wife's uh, burial from Ephron, the king of Hittite. They refer to each other as my Lord. In other words, there's a mutual respect between Abraham and, uh, and the owner of the land that he was about to buy, you know, the land from. 
they refer to each other as my Lord. So it's not like they're like, you know. So, uh, but, so it's a cultural thing. But I'd rather, honey, please don't call me Lord. Just call me honey. I like you call me darling. You know, like. <laughs> but the point is respect. Husband, in the same way, be considered as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner. And listen to this, as is with you of the precious, a gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Whoa. In other words, how you treat your wife will actually determine how successful you are in your prayer life. <laughs> so while, while the wife is to submit to the husband, the husband needs to make sure he treats his wife in a way that will not hinder his prayer. Wow. And I, okay, I want you to I want to go to First Peter chapter three verse thirteen, and what humility looks like. That's the other side of humility. Who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Like, listen to this. Do not fear their threats. Okay, this is in the midst of persecution. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Now listen to this. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Now here's the thing. Humility doesn't mean to, to operate in timidity. That's because he said, while you're operating in this, in, in, in this spirit of humility, speak up when you need to speak up. But when you speak up, do it in gentleness and respect. As Christians, yeah, absolutely. We need to operate in this, this humility. Humility doesn't mean, you know, like gentle and, you know, whatever, being timid. No, no, no. We submit to God. But when it comes to the truth, we are not afraid to speak about the truth. But we do it with respect and gentleness. Yeah, speak up. And I did that <laughs> when I was at work, trusting him who judges rightly. Now, I remember there was a point I was. Uh, I, I went to my superintendent's office, and then he had this uh, nude calendar on, on his office. And I just gently, like, I, I just said, you know, wow. I said, this is your office. You have people coming here, staff coming here. I find the picture on, on your on your wall is offensive. I said, you know. And he said, well, it's art, you know, you know, <laughs> kind of. It's art, you know, I'm fine with me. I didn't realize he held grudges against me, my superintendent in the factory. And then there was a time when the uh, 
the, the factory actually did retrenchment. A lot of people, about 55 people, actually, yeah, 55 people got retrenched. But in the newspaper, it says 56. I, wanna, I want you to listen to this story. 56 people, but actually only 55. So anyway, while, you know, typical big business, they, they retrench people before Christmas, you know. So we were having, enjoying Christmas holiday. So I came back to the factory after Christmas holiday. So I walked up to the factory. I came, and then my superintendent looked at me, and he said, what are you doing here? And I said, I'm coming to work. He said, no, you're finished. Uh, you got to understand, at that time, that was 1983, the end of 83, when you get retrenched, normally you get called to the office, and then they write you a check. They present you, okay, you're, you're done. This is your check. So I wasn't called to the, to the, to the office. I, was, I received, you know, whatever Christmas package as, 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 as normal. So I said to him, well, I wasn't called to the office. He said, yeah, yeah, I know, you're, I know you're, you're, you're done, you're finished. And then he said, okay, let's, let's go to the, the uh, factory manager's office. As we walk into the factory manager's office, and this guy said to the, the manager, Mr. Manusama's finished, right? And the manager, who, who knows me because we talk a bit, he said, no, he's a good man, you know, I want him here. <laughs> and then... Uh, and then, he, and then my superintendent looked at me and he said, you are a lucky man. Now, I want you to hear this. The breakdown story, two months later, I heard from another man who spread his work, work in the office, not in the factory. He said, Bram, you know what the real story is? Whatever it is, this guy, his name was Alan. Alan has something against you. I don't know why, because the superintendent during the retrenchment would actually give a list of people that he wants to be, to be that he, has, uh, he presented as to be retrenched. So he presented it in the office. The manager wasn't there, but one of the, the, one of the guy, a nobody, just one of the assistant manager, came to the office and Look at the, the names, the list of names, and saw my name. And li- now, this is, this is kind of strange, but he looked at my name. He said, this man is a good man. Why is he being, being listed? He took his initiative, laid his, took the risk, got the pen out, crossed my name out. He saved my job. It's like God brought him to that factory just at that moment. And he saw, Bram is a good man. Why, why is he on the list? So he crossed my name out. That's how God says. My job got saved. You just need to trust God. You know? God can look after you any way he wants it. Now you might say, that man was doing the wrong thing. You know, it's like, I don't know. It just so happened, you know. It's like Hagar lied to 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 the uh, to the guys for you know in the in the falling of the Jericho when he hid children of Israel. Was it was it bad for her to lie? Well, I don't know. I don't have all the answer, but the the, the point is, God looked after, and He looks after His people. 
And then the last thing, Peter talks about conduct within the church community. First, he addressed the elders. He said, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering, who also, this is in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. He starts to deal with the, with the elders. He said, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them. Not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not loading it over those entrusted to you by being example to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. And then he addressed the people. In the same way, in the same spirit, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your leaders. All of you, clothe yourself with humility toward one another. Because, listen to this, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, under, the, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. The connection of submitting to the leaders to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, what he's trying to what is implying here is that submitting to the leadership in the church equals submitting to God himself. It's very simple. While the, the responsibility is for the leaders who lay down their lives for, for the people, but the people need to submit to the leadership. You know what? Especially in the community. There are all kinds of people from all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of belief systems, all kinds of whatever, you know, perception and, and uh, even political background. People always talk about unity, yeah? There has to be a unity in any organization. But I'm, I want to say this. Unity is not because everybody agrees together. Even when we disagree, we can still have unity. Here's the thing. What do we need within that level of disagreement? We need the spirit of humility. The spirit of submission. It's like, sometimes, like, I disagree. It happens to me. I've been, I've been in your seats where I disagree with the leaders. And we agree to disagree, but I, I, I learned to just submit, you know? That's how, how unity is achieved. Not by us agreeing, but, you know, we all, like Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5, same thing concerning relationship. Just like Peter, he said, the beginning of relationship is submit to one another. I believe if we grasp this principle, this truth, doesn't matter where we go. You can be as outspoken as you want to be, but in the spirit of humility, gentleness, and respect. I believe it will change our marriage, change our, our view, people's view of us, like Peter said. All of that. 
And I believe we're going to talk about this more actually in DMS, what it means to operate in the spirit of humility. Can I have the, the measures, please? <clears throat> Let's all stand up. As we operate in the spirit of humility, I, I, I want to say this. The spirit of humility is the spirit that accurately represents Jesus. If, you want to, if we want people to see Jesus in you, you start to walk in the spirit of humility. Like I said, in, this, in all these passages, it's the spirit that marks every context of our relationship, whatever context it is, whether to the government, whether to, to our bosses, in marriage, in, in everything. It is the spirit of Jesus. Can we finish with Emmanuel? Is that okay? Let's all focus on God. He is God. He is the Word of God. He makes Himself available to us. You talk about humility. God became a man. How crazy is that? I remember in one when Ben preached a few few weeks ago, a few months ago. God saw the lost humanity. He didn't come to, to, to mankind and say, make your way here. He said, no, no, I'll go to you. That's humility. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to highlight some things before I pray for you guys. Spiritual people, how do we relate? What kind of good life? Pretty much that what Peter said. Live good lives. What does it look like? And he tackled every aspect of life. And the two points, the spirit of humility and the fear of God and reverence for God. That's what, let, me, let me just start with the married people. It is this spirit of humility, submitting to one another and submit to the truth, is very vital in any relationship, especially married people. And the, the way he gave the example of Jesus, who entrusted trusted himself to him who judges rightly. It was like, and uh, he quoted the scripture of Isaiah 53 from verse 5 to, to 8, I believe. It says that when Jesus, in Isaiah, that when Jesus was delivered before people, he spoke no word. That's pretty much the illusion language that he used for the wife. You know, you don't have to say a word because operate in that spirit. You will save your husband. As a matter of fact, he said, if you conduct that way in the beginning of the passage that we read, he said, they will glorify God when God pleases them. In other words, our spirit of humility might just save our friends. 
you know, might just save our husbands, our family. In a family relationship between husband and wife, I've said this to a few people, that spirit of Jesus of, of entrusting himself and saying no words. You know, one of the biggest traps in, in, in husband and wife relationship, and most relationships, but you know, particularly in this situation, is the need for us to be right. We need to get rid of that. Probably my biggest problem is that. That's, that's one of my my stumbling my blocks. When we discuss things with my wife, she doesn't need to hear all my teaching. She needs me to hear, to listen to her. And I just have to give one point, two point, and just have to be like, I'm sorry for that. Thank you for putting up with me. <laughs> and often that is the trap. You just have to be right. Yes, you might be right, but so Jesus was right in everything. But the Bible says he said no word. He said no word. Why? Because he had the salvation of the whole world in his head. That is more important. The restoration of mankind was important. More important than him being right. Or him appearing to be right or him proven to be right and sometimes the well-being of our partner when they're in a certain emotional situation should be first before us appearing to be right and that goes with your friends and the people are leading this, there's food, there's something to drink and something to eat and let's just continue our fellowship. God bless you.